Welcome. This is the third episode of the Eternal Vitality Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jesse Morse, and we're going to talk about something I'm really passionate about, and that's how I call the American healthcare system is broken. Now, when as we train for years and years and years, we kind of get stuck in this system because it's all we know. Remember, we don't take any business classes. We don't take any nutrition classes in medical school. We don't have the same time for those in residency. By the time you get out of residency or fellowship, you aren't probably going to take any nutrition or other classes that are going to supplement your ability to give yourself more information. So you basically just regurgitate what you've been told and, and taught for years and years and sprinkling a little bit of new guidelines here and there. So I want to talk about all these different subtopics and, and, and I hope I don't go on a 30 minute tangent and I really want to hear your thoughts because I've been on both sides. I've been on the I'm a doctor as part of the traditional healthcare system, and now I'm I'm a doctor on the non-traditional healthcare system in the private practice world. And, and I can give you the pros and cons of each, but this is so much bigger than that. This is a, a, a catastrophic failure at every level. Nearly everyone will agree that America's healthcare system is broken. And, 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 and if you look at the numbers, the United States spends $3.4 trillion on healthcare annually. That's about three times the budget of the military, which is already astronomical. The problem is 70% of Americans are overweight or obese. They have chronic metabolic disease. So for all the crazy money that we're spending, we're getting worse health care. It's pretty bad. That's why I don't call it health care. I call it sick care. And there's many different reasons for that, and we'll go into some of them today. Now, I decided to go a step further in my training, and I got an MBA while I was getting my MD, so that I understood some of the business aspects of medicine. Because as I mentioned earlier, you don't get any, and it is unfortunately much more of a business than we initially thought it would be. And, and that's the tricky part. When you look at America's healthcare system, it's pretty much made up of three big figures big insurance, big pharma, and then indirectly, what you don't really appreciate most of the time, is big food. Now, the way I, I, you know, stepping back and looking at what I see every day, what I saw when I was in training and in after practice, I didn't really appreciate it until I stepped on the other side of the train tracks and went into private practice. 
and, and, and I realized that we do an awful job of taking care of our, our people here in America. And it's not because the physicians purposely do that. It's because of the way that the system is set up. It is set up to fail. What do I mean by that? So about six, seven years ago, give or take, we'll say that a office visit, say they, the insurance companies paid about $125 per visit. So doctors would see 15 to 20 a day. The surgeons are maybe a little bit more because they have surgery time. They have to make up for it. Then there was a pretty significant shift. And the insurance company significantly dropped those reimbursement rates, say to about 50 or $60 a visit. Now, what are the physicians going to do? They can say, hey, we're not going to see those patients anymore. But unfortunately, that's how insurance works. You usually get your insurance through your job. So if you want to maintain patients and stay busy and meet your thresholds and meet your bonuses and so on and so forth, you need to have volume. Well, the problem is that you had to significantly reduce the amount of time you're going to see with a patient and double your patient load just to make the same amount of money. And it wasn't because it's something that we as physicians chose. God, no. It's because that's what the insurance companies dictated. We are victims of the health insurance industry in the United States. And that's what happens when you let healthcare run by a for-profit entity. And you don't really think of it until you step back and say, why would a healthcare company go into business in healthcare? They don't care about your health. They care about your money. So I'll pose you this question. Why would I treat something once as a healthcare uh, insurance from an insurance perspective? Why would I treat something once when I can have the patient managed and have a cash cow their entire life. Sick care. As a sports medicine physician, my job was to do cortisone injections, a little bit of gel, maybe prep the patients for surgery, send them off to one of my colleagues fractures, concussions, a little bit of uh, things in between. What benefit do cortisone injections serve? Very little. Do they do a good job with pain? Temporarily. Are they basically providing a Band-Aid? Oh, yes. And what happens? It turns on a negative feedback in the brain. It says, oh, you don't have any pain anymore. Continue to push through. So what happens? You then pushing through what probably was a mild injury because you don't have the mind that you have pain. And, and it, that cortisone injection didn't change the quality of the tissue. 
and improve it. So what happened? Now, once that cortisol wears off, you have more pain. But now you have a moderate injury because you just pushed through mild issues and never properly corrected the issue. So now you do another cortisone injection. The problem is this one doesn't work as well. So you ask for one more. That one doesn't work maybe a week or two. So then what are my options? Live with it. Surgery. You've probably already tried physical therapy. So they basically dump you on the surgeons. The surgeons make a little bit of money off. Then you have all the complications with surgery that could possibly happen. And it's just this vicious cycle. They don't want to keep you healthy. They just happen to be in the business of healthcare. We will never have good medical care in the United States until the for-profit insurance companies are out of the game. There's no way. They, they're inherently biased. Why do you think that, say I recommend you need an MRI, okay? You bang up your knee. We're like, yeah, x-rays just aren't sufficient. I need to see what's going on in the knee. Possible ACL, possible meniscus. We'll make it straightforward. It's not red flag symptoms, but concerning. You write an MRI. You go try to fill it, try to schedule it. Insurance says, nope, denied. Like, why are you denying my, I pay $1,000 a month for insurance and you're denying my ability to get an MRI. The doctor says I need one. You need to do physical therapy first and you need to go a cortisone shirt first. I don't want to put that garbage in my knee and I'm in so much pain that what if physical therapy makes it worse? Six weeks of physical therapy, if you fail that, then we'll pay for an MRI. Maybe 20% of them throwing out random numbers actually do the physical therapy and that's it. That's all they need. But what they're trying to do is the insurance company is trying to make it difficult for you to spend their money. The more money you give to them annually and the less money they spend on you, you're a good patient. You made them money. Say your deductible is $3,000 a year. You filled that. You already give them, say, another $1,500 a year. And you spend $7,000 of their money this year. Guess whose deductible is going up? You were a bad patient. That's the problem. They are literally disincentivizing you to, to use your own health care, to actually take care of yourself. And this is one of my biggest pet peeves because think about it. How could you possibly want to pay thousands and thousands of dollars a month for insurance? I had a patient come about a week ago, and he's like, and I, I remember, I don't take insurance. He's like, Dr. Morris, I'm an elite personal trainer, mid-40s. My wife is a former swimsuit model, fantastic shape, super healthy. We have a four-year-old baby. And my wife's pregnant. My insurance a month is $2,300. How many people can afford $2,300 a month in health insurance? 
His wife's pregnant. Of course he has to have health insurance. He's stuck. I'm like, how often do you use it? Only when she needs to go to OB. This is, think about how messed up and backwards this is for two very healthy people. This isn't someone who's, you know, I diabetes, has COPD, has severe heart disease, just had a triple bypass. No, 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 no. These are healthy people. Why is it so expensive? It's, it's insane. Continuing on. Have you been to the doctor's office lately and it lasted 15, maybe 20 minutes? You're like, wait a minute, I didn't even ask the doctor like three questions and I was already done. You probably waited in the waiting room longer than you actually saw the doctor. And like, oh yeah, just fill up this prescription, you know, start with this and, and, and come back and see me. Wait, what? You know how hard it is to develop a rapport, figure out what happened, write up a proper plan in 7 to 15 minutes? Almost impossible. Almost impossible. And then you're expected to know everything about them, know all their lab work, collect all these labs and, 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 and information and different things from their providers, and you're supposed to have that ready in 15 minutes, full visit. Then you're supposed to spend another 15 minutes that they don't count for to, to, to chart that. And now I want you to do that another 35 times over the next eight hours. Oh, I also want you to eat and be able to keep up to date on all of your studies and all the new different studies and information. That's insane. There's no way. Think about that. You're like a rat on a treadmill. You get out of one room, you're mentally drained. You look over and there's three more patients waiting. You haven't even looked at their chart. You don't even know who they are. The American healthcare system is broken from a patient's perspective and from a provider's perspective. The healthcare, a, a lot of the industry wants to uh, now try to get nurse practitioners and physician's assistants, as good as they are, to try to fill in for what physicians are trying to not, not be able to do because we don't have the time or we're too expensive. You will never make up four, five, six years worth of training, worth of seeing patients, so on and so forth, with that nurse practitioner. Even if they're a practitioner for 10, 15 years, there's just certain things they'll never learn, and that's okay. But sometimes the insurance company sees them as equivalent. My friends, they are not equivalent, and that's not a knock on them. They're not supposed to be equivalent. That's the, the most frustrating part. One of the things that I wish existed was emergency insurance. I don't have, hypothetically, I don't have any health insurance that kicks in until it's a $50,000 bill or more. Accident, trauma, maybe something crazy. But think about it. Wouldn't that make a lot more sense? You're going to deter people from getting care because it's more not only do you have to pay your deductible every uh, your, your premium every month then you have to pay your deductible just to see the doctor 
And then eventually, when you meet this random cat that they've decided to create, you finally get them to add and, and, and actually um, pay for, you know, start kicking in money. You, it's, it's deterring you from getting care that you're paying for. It's insane. Why don't they, why don't they have an option just for emergency care? I think it would be a brilliant option. I really do. Okay. So I already went into this a little bit, but, I, but I'll start this next section by saying who is to blame? There's many, many different responsible parties and who's to blame. In my opinion, as I mentioned before, the insurance company is a significant part of it. And it has to deal with reimbursement rates. When they're making billions and billions of dollars each year, they're not kicking those back to the physicians. They're not kicking that back to the patient. They're not kicking that back to the hotel, uh, the hospital, excuse me. Like that, that's, that's part of the problem. So the more they deny, the more they're going to make. So as long as that revenue keeps going up for them and that profit keeps going up, they'll never change the model. And, and, and that's the biggest issue. We can't really go to a socialized form of medicine like Canada. Why? Well, there's a couple reasons. Does it work? For the most part, it works well. Is it free? No, nothing's free. It's included in their taxes. The issue is, it works quite well for a country about 10% our size. 30, 40 million, I don't know exactly what their population is, but we'll, we'll say it's 35 million. But it takes six months to get anything done. I have, I have several Canadian patients. I have one today. And he's like, it cost me $4,000 to get an MRI. I have him here for three fifty cash. It's cheaper to fly from Canada to Miami. Stay here for a week. Get multiple MRIs and fly back than it would be to get one MRI in Canada. That would never fly. The socialist part of it sounds like a good idea. We don't have the implementation and the structure to be able to, to, to properly implement it. It's just not possible. We would have to 5X our workforce. And, and, and we're not building physicians at high enough volume. And, 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 it, and the burnout rate is insane because of what's happened. You know, when you're expected to see 30, 40, 50 patients a day, you, you don't even know which way is up. That's not sustainable for long term. And, 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 and I'll delve into physical therapy for, for a brief moment. A lot of people get burned by physical therapy like, oh, that's a waste of my time. I go in, there's six, seven people in the room. They put me on this hand bike for a half hour. They put a little heating pad on my, uh, on my neck and, and then I'm done. It's a waste of my time. I can do that at home. That's the result of poor reimbursement rates. The physical therapists that I refer to charge $120 to $150 an hour. You are only getting $20 to $30 an hour from an insurance company. Of course they can't see one patient per hour. They never make any money. They wouldn't even be able to keep a building open. 
You need one-on-one -on -one care with your patient. You can't do that when you're only making $25 an hour seeing one patient. That's the problem. It always comes down to money and it ends up damaging the patient's health and, and the trust in the medical society. If we look at America as a whole, we're becoming unbelievably sick. Think about it. 70% of Americans are overweight or obese. Is it because we magically stopped exercising? No, not particularly. It's because of our food. Do you realize that half the foods in America aren't even allowed in Europe? Big food, I call it, is killing us. Gluten is no longer the molecule that it used to be 30 years ago. Our body has no idea what it is. What does it do? It creates massive inflammation. It kills our gut, which then destroys our ability to absorb, and then we start becoming vitamin deficient. Our cattle are filled with antibiotics. Why? Because it produces beautiful marbleization. Most of the dairy products are really, really inflammatory, even if you're not lactose intolerant, because it produces something called an A2 protein. But they should be an A1 protein. But unfortunately, you can't get that because that's considered illegal because that's raw milk. All of this ultra process and super ultra, whatever the word would be after that, is, is, is awful. You have all this garbage food, massive portion sizes, and, and, and no wonder why everybody's obese, overweight, diabetes, high blood pressure, like kidney disease. It's all related. But what happens when you go to the doctor? What do they do? They put you on a medicine. You ever ask yourself this question? I get put on a blood pressure medicine. Say I have high blood pressure. Oh, we'll start you on a blood pressure medicine. Do you ever ask that doctor when you're going to be able to stop that blood pressure medicine? The assumption is when you die. That's not a treatment. That's a management. Why? If you stop taking it, it doesn't work anymore. That's not a treatment. That's a management. Why are you not getting to the root of the problem? Have you ever asked your doctor about nutrition? Don't bother. They're not going to be able to tell you anything. They weren't educated in it. Facts. That's part of the problem. Sugar, all this ultra-processed food, all these abnormal things, pesticides are a massive problem. 80% of blueberries in the United States have at least two forms of pesticide, one of which has the potential to form cancer. I thought blueberries were healthy. Blueberries themselves are all the stuff they put in them to preserve them, to prevent them from getting moldy, cause all the problems.
What about organic? If it's true organic, then it's great. But the problem is organic isn't exactly what you think it is. It depends on the state. I live in Florida. Something only has to be about 25% organic to be considered organic. That means it can be 75% inorganic. But you just paid 30 40% more and you got lied to. That's the problem. What about seed oils? What are these seed oils? These are pretty much anything except for avocado and olive. Everything else is pretty much a seed oil. They are really pro-inflammatory. They use them in every single way to cook food. Why? Because they're dirt cheap. The problem is our body can't handle them. They're causing a lot of inflammation. And that inflammation causes us to feel awful, causes our bodies to feel awful, causes each of these different slow processes to start breaking down. It's just one problem after another. What about the cost of medications in a hospital? Did you know it costs like $500 for a bag of normal saline? Literally salt and water. Why? Because if you charge $10 for it in a hospital, the insurance company is probably going to give you about 10 cents for it. But if you charge 500 maybe they finally give you enough money to break even. It costs ten dollars to $15,000 per night for an ICU stay. One stay. That's a very expensive hotel room. They don't have to be this expensive, but just like everything else, as it goes up, it continues to go up with everything else. And it, it, the, the costs become astronomical. It, it's insane. I'd love to hear your comments. Put them down below. Shoot me a DM. Find me on Twitter. TikTok, wherever, wherever you watch this. Let me know. All right, so what's the solution? So obviously there's no easy solution, in my opinion. But we have to start somewhere. So what do I see? Where, where do you think? Where do I think this could potentially see, make improvements? Well, we have to end. And this is going to be a lot easier said than done. We're going to have to end the greed with big pharma, big insurance, and big food. Go back to the basics. There should never be a commercial on television for medication. Especially prescription. You should have zero insight on what medications you should be taking as a medication form. That's up to a professional that was trained in it. Not because, ooh, I saw this on TV. They're very good at controlling the media. Why? Because big pharma, big insurance, and big food have massive lobbying power. They should never be able to fund or indirectly fund our senators, our congressmen, and all of these political campaigns. You'll never see a change if they keep giving to the source. 
Let's promote preventative medicine. Why do we have to always fix something after it's broken? Can we like actually prevent it before it actually happens? Brilliant idea, I know. Nutrition needs to be discussed extensively. It's not. It's awful. No one knows what to eat, what not to eat. Everybody thinks this is fine, that's fine. How much carbs do we eat? How much sugar? What is a carb? How much protein? I promise you, you're eating too little protein. The, little, the rule, even if you get a half a milligram per kilogram of body weight, say you weigh 150 pounds, ideally you should be eating at least 100 grams a day. Well, how much is a gram? A piece of chicken is about 30 to 40. You eating three to four pieces of chicken a day? I doubt it. You're not eating enough protein. You're waiting, eating way too many carbs. Biologically speaking, we do not need carbs. Zero. Are they delicious? Oh my God, yes. But they lead to some significant issues. Stop with the Band-Aid medicine. Get to the root of the problem. When a physician puts a patient on a medication, did you know that after seven meds, a patient's on seven medications, there is a 100% chance of interaction between those medicines? The issue with our healthcare system from a provider perspective is everything has become subspecialized. It's like a horse with blinders on. Oh, I only take care of the heart. I don't know about the stomach. I don't know about ortho. I don't know about the eyes. Go see that doctor. Your primary care doctor used to take care of everything. Now they're like a gatekeeper trying to coordinate seven different specialists. And think about it from a patient perspective. Who wants to see seven doctors? You know those doctors aren't talking. Try to coordinate getting medical records from all, from all those different sources. It's a nightmare. It's impossible. You think your doctor has 30, 40 minutes to review all of those different charts before he or she sees you for 10 minutes? Think about that. It's broken. It, it's so upside down and backwards. We need to stop band-aiding and get to the root of the problem. I usually, in, in orthopedics, I do predominantly sports medicine. I usually tell people, this is like you looking at a tree, and the tree is the problem. But instead of cutting the root, you cut a branch. What good is that going to do? you got to get to the root of the problem. If not, you're going to make any progress. This is the issue. They keep band-aiding it. And they never fix the problem. These past two years, the average age of life in the United States has declined for the first time in many, many, many years. 
We aren't even in the top 50 in the world. We spend more money than probably 75-80% of the countries combined. Some crazy, crazy amount. I have no idea what the number is, but I know it's $3.4 I don't know what the rest of the world spends, but I promise you it's nowhere close to that. That's the problem. Things are more expensive, but that doesn't mean they're better. We're just lining the pockets of the few on your back. Let me give it to you from a surgical perspective. And I heard this recently, and it really made me think. If you're a surgeon, we'll say you're an orthopedic surgeon, and you get paid $29 to see a patient, 29 think about that. And you made, you have to see 40 patients. So you make, say, $1,200 a day. Sounds like a good idea. Sounds like a lot. That's not even enough to pay your staff and your malpractice insurance. How is that doctor going to make any money? Going to keep the doors open? Surgeons want to cut. Let's do surgery. Of course they're going to recommend surgery. You're not going to pay him any money to see him. That's the problem. Think about this. Doctors train half of their lives. Most not starting to practice until their mid-30s. I was 35. And then you cause them to be burned out in 5 to 10 years. Insane. We don't go into medicine for the money. We go in for the passion. But unfortunately, it's become ugly. America's healthcare system is broken. All right, let's finish strong. Let's time to incentivize preventative medicine. We need more providers. You need to get to the root of the problem. And I think this is where AI starts to come in and help. AI should be able to look at all this patient's meds, see the interactions, see who prescribed them, see if they should still be on them, what the new guidelines are, and say, hey, this is old. We need to replace this. This one, this one, and this one are interacting. This one plus this one. You can convert that one to a different med. Ten-minute doctor's appointments don't work. It's, it's impossible. You can't do it. Stop with it. We have to become independent of private insurance companies that are for-profit. They don't care about your health. They care about your money. The issue is that people have better things to do than keep going to the doctor because they spend four times trying to get basically the equivalent of what, what should have been one appointment. And, and, and we'll, we'll bring in something that I do every day. You ever heard the term PRP, platelet-rich plasma? It's been around since the... 
80s, early 90s. Very, very, very safe. You take blood out of the arm, you spin it down in the centrifuge, you remove the red blood cells, and you get the plasma-rich layer. You then inject that into, pick a body part. Face, hair, penis, shoulder, hip. Works beautifully. A little uncomfortable. But you're using your body to heal itself. Brilliant concept, I know. Does it work? No question. You have to know what you're doing. You have to know where to put it. You have to know some variables. There's some garbage products. You need to kind of remove those. But my biggest frustration, why is it not covered by insurance? There is one insurance company that covers it. TRICARE for the military. They cover it for two conditions that I'm aware of. Elbow and knee. Patellar tendonitis, golfer's elbow, tennis elbow maybe. That's it. That's all they cover for. This stuff works great. And it avoids a lot of problems. It makes the tissue stronger. And it, and it actually helps you from, from having to worsen. It gets you back playing the sports, exercising, doing what you love. Using your body to heal itself. Why is something this simple not covered by insurance? Because it's your blood and Big Pharma can't make any money on it? All right. There's my rant. Lot, there's so many different levels to this. I hope you learned something. I hope that you picked up some ideas and maybe learn a couple things just based on some of the topics. I want to know what you think. Share your experiences with me. Put them in the comments below. Maybe we'll do an episode where we bring in some of those and we'll talk about it. If you haven't checked out the first two episodes, the first one was an introduction to give you an idea of who I am and what I'm all about. And the second one's about something called peptides kind of going in depth on, on, on arguably the most famous peptide we call BPC-157. Stay tuned for the next episode, which will be out next week. Episode four, particularly for men, how to boost your testosterone. Women, you could probably learn a thing or two as well to help your man. And you also need testosterone too, just not quite as much. Tune in, do me a favor, leave a review, share this with your friends, let me know what you think. Thank you very much for listening to episode three of Eternal Vitality Podcast. I'm Dr. Jesse Morse. We'll see you soon. Take care.